Welcome to the Cree Talks podcast. I am your host, Michaela Carrier. This is presented by Usky Holistic Adventures and Biggity Lodge. This is the first episode ever of Cree Talks podcast. Join me on my journey into learning the Cree language. I was inspired to make this podcast so I could listen back on Cree speakers talking in their first language as a method of learning. This is not so much an instructive podcast, but rather a podcast to hear personal and authentic stories in Cree with intertwined English translations. These translations are not always direct translations, but will help you practice your Cree listening skills. I have spent my life on the trapline, 60 kilometers from the nearest community of Cumberland House. This is where I've lived with my family. Our home is situated in the middle of the Saskatchewan River Delta, the largest inland delta in North America. The Saskatchewan River Delta is a diverse ecosystem of plants, birds, moose, fish, and countless other animals. This is where my family has been making a living on the land since before the fur trade. My dad and his family are Cree, and I have always listened to Cree stories being spoken my whole life. But I never learned the language due to spending more time with my wonderful English-speaking mother. So this is where the term mother tongue has meaning to me. But it is never too late to learn Cree. So here's some practice. Nina, Michaela, Nitsnigasun, Wanigeo, Opagetaha, Miswe, Nanatugnitutuskan, Ota Taisipmachiswan. I'm Michaela. I'm a trapper, fisherman. I do everything I can to make a living out here. So let's begin the Cree Talks podcast with my dad, Solomon Carrier. Welcome, Dad, to my show, Cree Talks podcast. Can you introduce yourself to everyone? Tansi Solomon Carrier Nitsniga Sun Muta Mista Pigam Wago Tigayam Yan Nima Gumbapa Isnigas Wok William Carrier God Josephine Carrier Mutauti Egupti Piggy Tik Amista Pigam Wak Ego so, my name is Solomon Carrier. My parents are William and Josephine Carrier. They raised us here at Big Eddie and also Cumberland House, which is downstream from here. And uh, this is where I'll be talking from. So, the first thing that I wanted to talk about was something really important to our family and to our lives. I want to talk about the moose hunt. So, Dad, how did your dad teach you about moose hunting? How? My father is a man who 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 is a I see my cheek, I see my mousse, 
smo u mojoj te tega uvijek jako u maski. Ego se gdje pisi gizkinoma, ego mene, gdje pisi duto okba, pa jaci mu tajsi, tajsi maci, ja nego, tajsi gizteni mogu omuza. So my father uh, was always uh, working and very busy with getting, making a livelihood for us. So sometimes uh, we didn't have much time to hunt together, but through his stories of hunting and me watching him take people out and me also hunting with him, they have left a, a lasting impression on me how to hunt and how to respect the moose. So those are the things that my father, uh, I got from my father for moose hunting and, and living with moose. So one thing that you've uh, talked with me um, many times in my past is about the ethics of hunting. So what can you tell me about the ethics of hunting from a Cree language so my father was teaching me how to recognize the different moose, such as the big bull moose, the medium bull moose, the yearling, the calves, cows with calves and the cows without calves they all had names and through and with their names we were shown how to track them we were able to tell the track of a bull moose compared to a cow moose compared to a dry cow, which is a, a cow without calves. So we were able to distinguish all these animals through the tracks and through when we seen them. So when we were out hunting, at whatever time it was, we were able to take the right animal. So we didn't decimate the, the, the moose itself. So we always left moose so they would continue to grow. So, for example, how would you identify a dry cow? Well, I know my mom, I know my people. 
It's difficult to tell a dry cow, which is a cow moose without a calf, compared to a, a cow that has calves. But through talking about it and being explained to from my father, it begins to show how you can tell. Usually the season for that would be in the winter. That was the optimal time for, uh, for somebody to hunt uh, a dry cow would be in the winter because that's when they're the most best shape. You start looking at their tracks and their tracks are very similar, but with a cow, a dry cow, their tracks are sharper, they're closer together, and they make a nicer track because they're lighter, usually. And a cow who gave birth to calves is usually a little bit more heavier, not all the time, but their, their tracks are made different. So through this process, you start recognizing those little details that you need to help you know that it's uh, uh, the difference between those two because they're, they're the same animal, they're a female. Just that one has the calves. And also you start recognizing when you see them, but in some cases the wolves sometimes kill the, the calves and the cow will be by herself. So when that happens, you have to try and look at what shape the cow is in. It, does it look like she's carrying calves with her for the spring to have? And those are those little things that you start looking at. And then you can make the decision to harvest that animal if you have to. So if you were hunting these, these particular moose, 
you would try to select the dry cow because you're only taking one moose instead of three moose. So you've also talked about in the past like the the seasons of hunting. So what are those um, what are the ethics around the seasons of hunting? So my father would uh, only hunt when we needed the meat. So he expressed to me that only when you're in need of a moose that you were able to go out and harvest a moose. And if you had stuff, then you waited to hunt. So those are some really important details and it really shows that you have to develop a close relationship with the land to really understand it. So do you have a memorable moose hunting story you can tell us? So yes, I have a, a memorable hunt that I had uh, that I went out to hunt a moose and an elk. It was because my father liked the elk and the moose. But when I went to hunt, I thought whichever animal comes to me, that's the animal I will harvest in my dad's honor because he had showed me all the stuff that I, that I knew to that point. And I just wanted to show him what he taught me. So even though he was passed away, this was the hunt for him. So I was here at Big Eddie and after my father had passed away, I thought, okay, I will go and put to practice what he had taught me. 
So I, I went, I paddled up river. I came to the spot where dad and I used to hunt for elk and moose. And I went quite far into the woods. So as I walked in the woods, I was calling moose, I was calling elk. I heard an elk answer me quite far in the distance, but he answered me. He answered my call. So as I walked in the woods, I was looking for these little opening in the woods that I, my father and I had walked before. So as I was in this little opening in the woods, as I called the elk, as he called back to me, as he scraped the trees, I could just feel the, the, the excitement of them, that hunt that I was having with my father, even though he was gone. As the elk approached, he was making more noise, rubbing his antlers against the trees. And as he did that, I did the same. So as I, as I was getting excited of this elk making noise and coming so close with me, I had my bow and my arrows. And all of a sudden from behind me, a moose was calling, coming towards me. Yeah, 
Pegu sinis ngi tasuan. Mba pami negu sigi tigmana. Sa spin gi opmana wa waske siu hati musa. Ananistam tagu sigi. Negu kautinanu itteu. So as I wait in that field with the elk to my south, I hear the moose to the north, and they're very close. And as they come, I can hear my dad's voice saying, if the elk comes, we will take the elk. If the moose comes, we'll take the moose. Whichever comes first, you allow the other animal to go. So as I stood in that little meadow, that little opening, the moose was closer. And as he took his steps and he rubbed his antlers, as he came towards me, taking his cautious steps, I knelt down to take my scent down to the ground. So as I sat, as I knelt there, I could see the moose, his nose first, then his antlers, and I'm feet away from him, very close. I could see him with his tongue tasting the air around him to try and get the scent of this moose that was calling back to him. But it was me he could sense. so as the moose 
senses me, he bolts out of the woods. And my father had said to me, if you're in a spot like this, when the moose starts running, you call. And that's why I called. I went, very loud, which is usually not what you do, but it gets the attention of the moose. And as I did that, within very few feet of me, the moose stopped and looks at me. And as, I, and as I called the moose, the moose stopped. He looks at me and I bring my bow up with my arrow ready. And I look at the moose and I aim where the ribs are and I pull back and I let my arrow fly. So, when I let my arrow go, I thought I was shooting where you're supposed to shoot them, just above the ribs. And as my arrow went, and to my shock, when the arrow hit the moose, the moose fell down right on the spot. Usually they go for a ways with the arrow and you wait, and then you get the animal and you retrieve it. But this moose fell on the spot. And 
kana tagomu so honaga no mag matite tao tan simino mittonian tayu tao hugaya mittone pittige panu utta kisyogu tatamiste gonan magastenik ani manego takap mot munamo sego sispanu ego tagatta ot muso kanipat I walk to my moose. I'm shocked to see where the arrow is. It's below his head. The arrow had entered into the spine below the brain. And this is not the place that you aim for a bow. A witchy hit. A good day, a sweetie at any Dagascoga is the Tao Mogani Musa. A good so Musa can ask it talk. A got a got a git at a go casa me guisian mina. Ba power. So as I look at my arrow and I see where the arrow is, I'm thankful that the arrow did its job so quick. But I'm also feeling that my father was there to guide that arrow to a place that it would take the moose instantly. So it would be quick. And it also would feed my family. So I was thankful to my father for, I guess, for showing me all those little things that I uh, needed to know for the hunt. So I was thankful to my father to receive this moose because it was because of his teachings that I was able to harvest this moose and in his honor. Thank you for sharing that story, Dad. That's a very emotional and thoughtful story. It really shows how important moose hunting is for for our family and and for our for our spirit too. In closing up this discussion, what do you want to teach the next generation about moose hunting? So now, with the future hunters that we have, I just want them to teach themselves about how the moose replenishes itself so we can harvest with good management practices. And I know it's a bit more harder to do that now, but uh, it's possible. Anuts, uh, 
Magasaspin gigaskita no gigisknomas wak kaisigistenemau kipiskimena nago gika witsama gugu mota asamiguago. E one ma ute tinigan nots go piggy to organimu suck a go wisto uge. And Sinyak Mitsawa, Wista Ho, Kagasita, Kamachi, Chikta School, Kagi Pesimachia, Ninan, Romina, Keteago, Kayas. So I'm hoping that uh, uh, we start thinking about how to hunt respectively so that our moose populations can survive and thrive so that everybody that practices these traditions that we have will keep on. So if we can manage our hunts better and look at what we have more and the respect that some of these animals need, then I think we can continue to harvest moose into the future because there's more of us now. There's more people now, so we really have to watch how we hunt and uh, use the resources around us. Thank you for sharing your time with us and experiences with us too, Dad. It's very important to keep the Cree language and teachings alive through talking. So that was my guest, Solomon Carrier. If you want, check out his Instagram page at King Saul Video. He has some beautiful pictures of his life out on the trap line. Thanks to our audience for listening to the first episode of Cree Talks podcast. I'm your host, Michaela Carrier. Please share your feedback to uskiadventures at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-I adventures at gmail.com. Thank you. Egosei.